We're in a sermon series, a sermon series called The Third Day, and this morning I want to move into a topic. The idea through the sermon series was that Jesus has given his life, and he's been raised from the dead, and he's been resurrected, and he lives, and because he lives, things are different. Recently, I saw a, a post that went up in one of the social media, and it showed the spread of Christianity from the very beginning of 2,000 years ago and how it spread and moved through the world. And it, it amazed me is just kind of the movement of Christianity and how it's had an impact and what's kept it so vibrant and so alive for 2,000 years, except the fact that there's a resurrected Savior, right? Jesus. But there's something in the way that he's come, he's come, that he's instilled his truth in people that makes it want to stay alive, that keeps it alive. There's this point of where he's led others and he's leading through us that the spread of the gospel, the spread of Christianity has not only gone across the globe and is still penetrating areas today, but it's standing firm. I want to talk about leadership, Jesus' kind of leadership, but leadership that we see in the world. It's a subject that gets lots of attention, right? Try to disconnect from the political arena for a few minutes, but it does get a lot of attention. And rightly so, if you think about it, leadership affects everything and everyone. None of us escape from the influences of leadership. So would you align with me for a few minutes around what the dictionary and, and what our common thoughts are around leadership and leading? There's common words that get used. Words like to govern, to command, guide, direct, influence others. Common words you see in any kind of business class and that we all with common understanding say that's what a leader is. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard someone say they're tired of being told what to do? I should ask if, raise your hands if you've said that in the last week or two. <laughs> and would you, and they'd prefer to do the work on their own, be their own boss. Matter of fact, they'd say, let's just fire our boss. Yeah, that slide shows it all. It sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds kind of good. Or is it? Because I really don't believe that it's possible to fire every boss and every leader in our lives. Unless maybe you choose to go live on a deserted island. Look at this advertisement in the next slide. It didn't take me a few minutes and on the internet there's actually promotions this way. This couple is sitting on the beach, and it says, how would you like to fire your boss? Live, live on your own. But I think I know, and you know, it's really impossible to live in a vacuum away from everybody else. Sounds good for a minute. But it's impossible to live in a vacuum away from everybody else, away from any kind of governments, any kind of command, any kind of guidance, any kind of direction, any kind of influence from others. And if we're really honest, we know that God's placed us 
into a social framework of interdependence. And that's what keeps our civilized existence in balance, right? There's something that happens because we need one another from that perspective. We need the influences and the outcomes of leadership. And there's really more than just one boss or leader in our lives. In reality, we're governed, managed, directed, and influenced by many, many kinds of leaders. So if you think that living on a beach as your own boss is grand, and that's what you think it would be like, and that slide, just sitting there, looking at the ocean, listening to it with your laptop, getting all your work done, or your iPad, I think after a while it would look more like this. <laughs> and you're screaming at a volleyball, <laughs> Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. You might say, Jeff, I don't really think you've made the point yet, but we have influences all around us. Look, imagine you're on the Mass Pike in rush hour. Some of your heart rates are rushing right now, as I just said that. You've ever been there. Or you're in some major thoroughfare in rush hour traffic. Traffic's going everywhere. You see people crossing multiple lanes like, you know, they're, they're drafting by others. They think they're NASCAR kind of drivers. And it's just chaos on the, on the highway. But it doesn't take long driving there. And you're thankful that there's leaders in, that have put laws in place and guidance in place to help direct what happens and that everybody at least is going the same direction on that side of the highway somewhere within 20 or 30 miles per hour of the same speed limit. But it's for our own safety, right? So we're influenced by laws, and there's tons of examples like that. A lot of influences from leadership over and among us, and they start from the very beginning of our lives. Stay with me for a minute. One might say that what we need is done to us, shown to us, and told to us from birth. Let me say that again. One might say that what we need is done to us, shown to us, and told to us from birth and continues to some level, to some degree, throughout the rest of our lives. And there becomes a point in our life, more so for some than others, I, I realize that, that not only do we realize the multitude of leaders and impact that's on us, but that we realize that we too are leaders in some way and affect others. I believe we all become influencers and leaders. And I'm speaking to everyone in this room today. Whether you're actually titled as the boss and the designated leader or not, I'd like you to follow with me. Because I'm calling you all out today as a leader of some way or another. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. God's called you out to be a leader. And I believe we all become influencers in our world around us, whether directly as the designated leader or by just adhering to the rules and following the speed limit and the laws that they are. We model other people that we, yes, believe those are the right rules, and I'm modeling to you how we should live our lives. And we do that in our homes, in our schools, 
and many other places. And as time goes on, we're confronted with different leadership styles. We begin to accept some, reject them, glorify some, condemn others. We begin to modify them, personalize them, and mimic different leadership styles. But we all become influencers. We all become leaders to some level or another. We experience role modeling, coaching, and leadership from the very beginning, from our parents, from our siblings, whether you like it or not, from other adults, your aunts and uncles, your grandparents, teachers, coaches, referees and umpires, band directors, school counselors, clergy, politicians, law enforcement, store owners, that first boss you had, and the list goes on. So if you're following my assertion right now, that to some degree we're all leaders and influencers of others. I need you to, in your heart, accept that's who you are. It occurred to me as I was preparing this this morning that I've missed one point, and that is, in my preparation of it, is we sometimes let ourselves be stepped on and put down to a point where we think, I'm just waiting for others to lead me and tell me what to do. And we don't accept the role that God's actually called us out to be and who we are. Every one of us, if we're going to live in a civilized society, if we're going to live with each other, we need to be a role model or influencer for others. So whether you're the designated formal, formal leader or just by modeling your lives by compliance that you believe in what's there in the laws and regulations, guidance and that's given to us. Or as Jesus called every one of us who is a believer to go and lead others to Jesus and make disciples, every one of us, if you're with my assertion, every one of us is a leader to some degree or another. So we must ask ourselves then, what kind of leader am I? What kind of leader am I? Now, think on that, but don't hang out there too long just yet. I want to talk about leadership styles that we want to mimic and follow and others that maybe we want to avoid. Let's think about the latter for a minute, those that we want to avoid. Have you ever noticed the leaders who are constantly jockeying for attention? dominating the discussion. They think first and only of themselves. Matter of fact, these folks love it and love the airline requirement of putting their oxygen mask on first because they always think about themselves first. And so why not? I'm numero uno and I'll take care of myself. They never hear the second part of that that says, so then that you can take care of somebody beside you. But they think first about themselves. Not only do they think first about themselves, but this kind of leader usually thinks second about themselves as well. Now that I've got my mask on, how do I get out of this thing, this airplane? They love to take credit for the good that happens, and they're always looking for who's at fault when something goes wrong, because it's surely not them. They don't have a problem shifting the details of their story 
to make themselves look good. They want others to think they have all the answers. They want others to think that they're indispensable. This wouldn't function without me here. They don't feel like anyone else, these kind of leaders don't feel like anyone else has it all together as they do. And they don't think, if, you, or if you're with me, they don't think anybody else works as hard as they do either. You ever been around a leader like that? Maybe you're thinking of someone right now. Maybe you work for that person. My guess, we've all run into leaders like that, that have some of those traits. I hope none of them have exuded all of those traits at the same time. But my contention that we're all leaders in some form, that most likely we all have some degree of these kind of character flaws that fall out in how we lead. And it needs some kind of adjusting. None of us are perfect. And we bring our own characters into how we lead. And how we practice and how we influence others. So the question again is, what kind of leader am I? Is a question that we need to ask ourselves. Now we could go look at all kinds of other leaders. But I'm going to take us into God's word today. Because I believe God tells us the kind of leader. And shows us the kind of leader that he's looking for. And so the question is, is what kind of leader does the Bible call us out to be? What kind of leader does God call us out to be? The creator of all, the king of kings, what kind of leader does he call you and I out to be? Some years ago, in an exercise I was going through of taking some different verses of the Bible and and putting them to memory and just meditating on them and thinking about them, there was one verse that came to me in the midst of what of what I was doing, and it impacted me greatly. And as I started thinking about it, memorizing it, and putting it to heart, it impacted me about management. At the time, and through most of my corporate career, I I was in management of different positions and different things, from managers to vice presidents of companies, and I was thinking, "This, this is incredible. This is Jesus' leadership style, and it was in this verse. I think I have, yeah, there it is. It was in Mark 10, 45, and I put this to memory, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, didn't come to be served, but to serve others and to give give himself as a ransom for many. And as I started thinking about that, it just blew me away at the time, that Jesus came, and it wasn't he didn't come here because he could have come as the king of kings. I'm going to establish my kingdom here, and all will come and serve to bow down to me. But that's not how Jesus came, is it? Jesus came, and he didn't extend his hand towards us and say, bow towards me. He extended his hands out this way, and he hung on a cross as a ransom for me. And that was his example. His own ransom, his own life given for me as a model for how I'm to manage. 
of how I'm to lead, how I'm to serve, how I'm to influence other people. Now, this idea of servant leadership is not new, and nor did I just think of it, you know, a couple of decades ago. It's been used and, and expanded on for centuries. Matter of fact, in the 1700s, John Wesley, an Oxford graduate, an Anglican minister and theologian, along with his brother Charles, founded what is now called Methodism. And writings of John Wesley influenced the holiness movement to be started and Pentecostalism. He said this, One of the principal rules of religion is to lose no occasion of serving God. And since He, God, is invisible to our eyes, we're to serve Him and our neighbor, which He receives as if done to Himself in person, standing visibly before us. He saw that God's called us out to serve one another, and that's as is serving Him in this servant kind of leadership, much as Jesus did. And even, even recently, in the last century, within the lifetime of some of us in this room, Martin Luther King expounded on the Good Samaritan, and he said this. I'm not sure if you can read that on the screen, but let me read it for you. The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And so they passed by. But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? A civil rights leader who spent a lot of time with Martin Luther King Jr., observing his leadership and his style and his influence and others, James Perry wrote this. It's easy to spot servant leaders. In a room where others are jockeying for attention, they're the ones listening to someone others might consider unimportant. When faced with a problem, they look for solutions that benefit everyone. When something goes wrong, they take the blame. When things go well, they share the credit. They tell everyone the same story, even when it's inconvenient or difficult. They know that they don't have all the answers, so they seek advice from others. They work hard and inspire others to do the same. So folks, in some venue or another, and to various degrees, it's my belief that we're all called to positively influence our world and others around us. In reality, we're all leaders, every one of us, for a cause, for a purpose, at home, at school, right here in this church, in our youth group, in your small groups, out on the field, in the organizations, in your jobs, in life. God's called you to be a leader, an influencer. Are you ready to step up and take that role? As I mentioned, we could look through history at thousands of different leaders. Thousands of different people have come up and take great leadership positions. And study their practices and styles. And you can go to any book. You can go to Barnes & Nobles. I was there the other day. And there's whole sections on management, on leadership, all kinds of styles. 
But I believe, as I've just mentioned, I bet the best role model that we have is God's own son, Jesus. And he gave us the perfect role model for leadership. Would you like to take a close look at it? Let's do. Let's expand on that section of scripture that I mentioned earlier. And let me set the stage for it and let's read through it. If you have a Bible, and there's some at the different tables, you might want to turn. I've got it on the, on the screen as well. In Mark 10, starting in chapter 30, uh, verse 32. Let me just read through this. <clears throat> God, speak to us as we read your word. Taking the twelve disciples aside... Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leadership, to the leading priest and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? He asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. 38, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we're able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what Jesus had, what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Seems to be a nice word to say, man, they were mortified mad. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, stepping beyond the transition, because it's this way and in the different gospel accounts, how Jesus is going up to Jerusalem for this final time, how he's walking up there with his disciples, and he's telling them what is about to happen. And I believe it's Luke who says they didn't get it. They didn't understand quite what he was meaning, that he was going to give up his own life. It just went right past and blew past him. But in the midst of that discussion, James and John, two brothers, kind of step aside and kind of near up to Jesus and ask him, A favor when you come into your kingdom. 
can we sit on your right and your left? Of course it made the other disciples mad. (laughs) Of course they were like, what are you doing? And Jesus gives a discussion and a comparison about leadership styles. And he talks about leaders who are influenced by the world. And back in verse 42, note with me that he says those kind of leaders, those rulers, they lord it over their people. They flaunt their authority. They, in other words, they, they exercise dominion. They exude control. They demand their way. They flaunt their authority. They, they wield it with a privilege over others. They boast. They're the ones who pull rank. And leaders like this, they influence in our world selfishly and authoritatively. Command and control seems to be their pattern. And actually, it resonates in the hearts of many people because some people just want to be, just tell me what to do, and I'll go get it done. Just decide, and I'll go, and we'll get it done. But what happens with command and authority, what commands with people who want to exert power over us, pride creeps in, or rushes in. And they take control. And people resonate around it at first because they get things done those are the kind of people as leaders that get things done there was a crisis here and she stepped in he stepped in and they made decisions and things got happening you do this you do that you go over there we'll get things done and people like that at least initially but when it grows and pride creeps in and pride comes in they start exuding their authority over others. And command and control gets old and harsh and cruel. Jesus said that's what it's like in the world. But in verse 43, he points out something differently. And he he says in verse 43, looking at that again, but among you it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Let me talk about that for a minute. There's a couple of words that are used there, servant and slave. And actually, there are two different words in the original language, much as they are here in English. The idea of diakonos and doulos. And the first one, diakonos, is talking about service and serving and that act of doing something for somebody else. Not necessarily out of obligation, but even it can be a free kind of service, but it's that kind of person who's serving and doing things, and it's speaking about the acts being done and what you're doing, but not necessarily out of the character of the person or the obligation, but the fact that they're doing things. They're serving. The second word has to do with tying something up or binding something, or in some of your uh, English translations, a bond servant, a bond slave, someone who was required to. We have a hard time, even in our own culture, thinking about it because we don't observe that close in here where we are today to be a slave to someone else. 
In a different context, a writer in Psalms, in Psalm 123, verse 2, he said this, and it helped me understand a little more. Let me just read it for you. He said, We keep looking to the Lord our God for His mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. When you're a bond slave, when you're a slave to someone else, you're not just doing things that needs to get done as service. You're waiting and looking for the attention. She moved. I need to do this. He's, he's asking him, I've got to be there. I've got to do this. It's a requirement. And you're looking, you're anticipating, you're, you're looking to that person. And Jesus calls up your acts, your leadership styles to be completely different. You're to be diaconus and doulos. You're to be a servant. You're to be a bond slave to one another. That's the kind of leader that you'll be among each other. If you have a bulletin insert, a couple points I want to make. Jesus' model of servant leadership is driven in the actions that He's taken for us. Jesus, you see, didn't just pay a ransom. Jesus became the ransom. He didn't just take it out of His own wealth. He means He's the Creator of all things. He's the Son of God. The Bible calls Him the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Prince, the King of Kings. The Majesty on high. And He comes and He doesn't pay out of His wealth for us to be redeemed. He Himself became the ransom for us. It speaks of His service coming out of the superiority of what he could do. Not out of kind of obligation or subordination that he had to do it, but that he was willing, able, and capable, and he did it, and he gave everything. He responded. He acted. He didn't walk on the other side of the road saying, I wonder what this would look like for me as God's son to kind of... No, he came over. What would happen if I don't? That's Jesus' leadership style. He's the kind of leader we want to follow. He's the kind of leader we want our leaders to follow. We want to follow Jesus because He was willing to do it as an example for us. He leads by example. Leaders like this, like Jesus, who act this way, make a meaningful impact to others around them because they respond. A leader like this demonstrates a real understanding of what their mission is in life. Their place in the world. A leader like this inspires greatness in others. A leader like this, like Jesus, touches the hearts of others. 
His acts didn't come out of service like, oh, shoot, I got to go do this. But he did it out of the abundance who he is, and he gave himself, and gave it all. Rick Warren, the author of The Purpose Driven Life, said, The world defines greatness in terms of power, possessions, prestige, and position. If you can demand service from others, you've arrived. In our me-first culture, acting like a servant is not a popular concept. Jesus, however, measured greatness in terms of service, not status. God determines your greatness by how many people you serve, not how many people serve you. But you know what? It's more than just being perfect and being that perfect ransom, that perfect act, that perfect sacrificial service towards somebody else. The second thing I see out of this is that Jesus' servant leadership was motivated by His love for a relationship with us. He gave Himself out of genuine love. Out of genuine concern and love for you and me. We're to be that kind of follower, servant of Jesus that keeps our eyes on Him, attentive to what He's calling to do. Because we love Him as He first loved us. He modeled it for us in that last evening before He was about to be betrayed. When He knelt down and said, But Father, Your will be done, not mine. Remember? In the Gospel of John, He noted Jesus saying those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. My servants must be where I am. Are we looking to Jesus for every moment and everything? Are we attentive to Him as He was and is for us? Is that the kind of leader that we are? Influencer that we are? Take it out of third person. Take it out of, is that the kind of leader He is or she is? And think about it for me. Is that the kind of person that I am? You see, Jesus went to the cross. He died and rose again so that we could live in a relationship with him. He didn't just serve because he had to. He served and paid the ransom out of the abundance of who he is, the superior he is. He gave himself all, but then he did it not because he was obligated to, because he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And that's what he says. That's how we're to be as leaders among one another. That's what makes sense of familiar words like John 3.16. God so loved the world, love, that He gave His one and only Son. 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That kind of love from God just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving in a ways out of love. It was Mother Teresa who's said to quote, intense love does not measure, it just gives. Intense love does not measure, it just gives. She went on to say, it's not the magnitude of our actions, but the amount of love that's put into them first that really matters. Are your actions and our actions driven for others? And they're motivated by love. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they do, they're going to lead us into a time of worship. I'd like you to reflect on these words this morning from Jesus. What kind of leader are you? Does your servant leadership act selfishly and out of love? Heavenly Father, as we go into time of worship, I just pray we reflect on what you've done for us out of intense love so that you could have a relationship with us and that we would begin to understand what it is for us to start modeling your style of leadership in serving one another and giving ourselves for one another towards you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.